Good evening, boys and girls. It is I, Alfred Kanawa, joined as always on the Wrestling Inc. podcast Friday night by NYC Demon Diva herself, Issa. Glenn is in parts unknown, adding all kinds of drops to his new board. So he's going to have all kinds of new stuff for you guys. So it's going to be the hottest podcast in all of wrestling with me and Issa. How you doing, Issa? How's your night? It's, it was good, I guess. I mean, no Roman Reigns, so that's always, a, you know, not my most favorite thing. But we can talk about it. It was, it was, it was enjoyable television. Not must watch, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, you celebrated his title win more than he did. He didn't even come to gloat or anything. He had his cousins do it for him. Yeah, yeah. He he knew he was being celebrated. Why show up? You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, no Roman Reigns, but uh, still a pretty solid show. But before we get to SmackDown or Rampage, of course, there was a lot of news throughout the week. Uh, we didn't see you on Tuesday, so I'm very curious and excited to hear your take on all this. But beforehand, we're going to get into the latest updates of the CM Punk saga. Of course, he went on after All Out at a media scrum, very planned verbal attack on AEW, the company, the top stars, the EVPs, Adam Page, Scott Colton, aka Colt Cabana, just everything in between, scorched earth for CM Punk. And uh, apparently, according to Wrestling Observer of our newsletter this week, he had been planning this for quite some time. Uh, weeks ago, he had told those close to him reportedly to watch out for the press conference, that it was going to be very interesting. And if you did watch the full press conference portion of CM Punk, he did seem to immediately go into his grievances. He was not prompted by a question. I know there was a cutoff version on the AEW channel, but if you watch some alternate angles, he immediately goes for Nick Hausman, and they go back and forth. He, he, to he Nick. picked on our guy, Nick. Yeah. Man. Come he, on. he was planning to do this. There's a lot of hints that you know that he was planning. And really... You know, aside from all the ugliness of it, did cut a very long, I, I wouldn't say well thought out, but clearly he thought out what he was going to say and went on a tirade. Uh, and also it came out that CM Punk is indeed injured, a triceps injury that's going to keep him out six to nine months. Of course, Tony Khan vacated the AEW world title and the trios titles stemming from the brawl that happened right after CM Punk's scorched earth shoot promo between him, a steel joined CM Punk in defense uh, or offense, depending on who you believe, against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, which ended up being a brawl. Nick Jackson got hit in the eye, a very ugly situation with a lot of different accounts. So Issa... The floor is yours. What do you think about this CM Punk saga and where we are now? I mean, I I, I thought that whether you like him or not, that the whole thing was very unprofessional. They made the company look horrible. It just... <laughs> the, the best thing that we got out of this is that video of Tony Khan drinking the water. Like, I cannot <laughs> unsee that video to save my life. And... I personally prefer to believe the the side of the story in which Kenny Omega is saving a dog just because I'm a dog person. I think that yeah. that's the version that I'm going to choose to believe. Um, but yeah, the whole thing was very unprofessional. But like you said, it looked thought out, not not scripted because what he said, I didn't, I I just didn't know what he was trying to accomplish with this, right? And maybe you want to tell your story about the whole Colt Cabana thing because it's been out there and so many back and forth with how this thing went. But then when he went in on the EVPs and the whole hangman thing, you know, according to him, he got his receipt a few weeks ago when he came out there and did what he did, you know, on that unscripted promo. So why are you still 
going on about it. I, I don't think that the elite were professional either, going back there and, you know, possibly starting a brawl. But can you blame them? You don't know how much of this has been building up. And this isn't just CM Punk related. The, the AEW locker room has had so much drama in the news as of recently that you, he was just waiting for that last drop, mm -hmm. you know, to drop and for everything to fall apart. But, yeah, I just thought it was... Uh, it was complete unprofessional behavior on, on punks and especially when you're sitting there and you're supposed to be the guy right they just put this title on you there's a part of me that wonders this he did he know this injury was so bad that he just said to hell with all because he might not even come back you that, know yeah, I, I don't that know, maybe he I, didn't I, know i will forever speculate that yeah that is definitely a theory that maybe he did know when you tear a triceps have an injury that bad I remember if you remember John Cena tore his triceps and his elbow ballooned up immediately and he knew and maybe CM Punk just knew he was clearly planning this out. So he had this plan prior to even getting injured. So maybe getting injured was just the trigger for him to eventually do that. We'll never know any of that, but uh, the injury combined with CM Punk also mentally and emotionally breaking down at the verbal media it scrum. Just, I, it was just, I really do think I've been very outspoken about this. I have a couple of videos on pro Your wrestling. videos have been incredible, by the way. Yeah, I a bunch it. of comments. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you guys' support. Really, either way, it's a very polarizing topic. There are people who are with CM Punk on this. There are people who are with I'm the EVPs with on anyone. this. I, exactly, me too. Kenny, I'm with Kenny Omega saving the dog. That's it. Yes, me too. I, that's my that. favorite part of this narrative. Kenny Omega, the dog lover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dog whisperer. But no, I, I, I don't think the elite handled it well. I don't think CM Punk handled it well. And there's a part of me, I, I shared this in my watch alongs also on the Wednesday night podcast that I feel like I remember CM Punk coming back and how magical that moment felt for wrestling. And and I, I remember you and I, were, we saw each other in person. Oh, we yeah. did the podcast together in person. And we were just so excited about where wrestling felt at that time. And nobody was talking about All Out. And that is the, the biggest tragedy of this whole thing. It's like nobody's talking about NJF coming back. Nobody was talking about it. It's just... I don't know. You know, I, I like what Tony did, just putting out the video. Hey, this is the Titus vacant and handled it as a professional on TV. But I do think that we should have gotten to know what, what behavioral repercussions were taken against the elite and against CM Punk. And that's just something that goes back and forth in reports and speculation. But we don't know what the official, you know, suspension is for how long and what is going to happen to Punk. We don't know. Yeah. And the longer we don't know, the more people are going to weigh in as to whom should be suspended between these two parties. A lot of people, again, drawing a line in the sand and trying to wonder, and you're going to see some of these super chats, whether or not Hangman started it, whether or not it's CM Punk's fault. Who should we blame? Who should we side with? And part of that is just, the society we live in that's so tribal. I think both parties are at fault. I think this is a lesser of two evils situation, but I think they should fire CM Punk. I don't think CM Punk is part of the situation. <sighs> I agree, and I see that point, but there's a part of me that also looks at the other fields that uh, CM Punk had prior to Hangman. MJF brought up Cole Cabana by name on a promo to MJF. And the entire Eddie Kingston field was based on the fact that nobody likes you backstage. So it's like, why is it that when Hangman brought it up, is it because it wasn't cleared by him? Guess what? That promo and that segment sold me that match a lot more than I was you know, going into it. So was Hangman doing it on purpose or was he trying to sell a match? I, like, We're never going to know the full versions of these stories. But again, Punk came back and did the exact same thing to Hangman and that should be it supposedly old school wrestling that's how it's handled right you get your receipt let's move on from it why are we still here
But then again, it shouldn't be it because these kind of things escalate. And to your point about this being brought up in the past, I think the reason that it's different now is that there's more tension added to it. This is what we saw. And this is the gift and the curse of work shoots. Because like you said, it does sell a match. That reality-based wrestling, it really gets you excited. But the other side of that is it does cause backstage drama, as we've seen time and time again with AEW. You bring up Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, uh, Jericho brought up his physique. CM Punk brought up his physique. Daniel Bryan brought up his physique. When Sammy Guevara did it, by that time, he had just snapped and made it hurt enough. With CM Punk, Eddie Kingston said, nobody wants you here. That was a little bit of a narrative. And then by the time it got to Adam Page and what was we've heard was an unscripted line, CM Punk had had enough. So this work shoot thing where we're going to be edgy does have its consequences, as we've seen over and over and over, even down to Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It's just, I feel like if, if you're going to be a bitter man like CM Punk is coming off sadly that's how he's coming off and a huge heel because eating mm-hmm. the muffin while cutting these promos was a big <laughs> heel move in my opinion <laughs> but so this bakery though I like that he put over a small this business bakery. which is featured yeah. in Forbes as seen in Forbes you can say that now <laughs> and um I just I just felt like there was things that were said to CM Punk that were a lot worse than that mm-hmm. specific promo I have gone back and watched it and I just feel like there was, there was like that first back and forth between promo, like between MJF and CM Punk, like MJF murdered him. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm, I, I'm glad that Tony Khan makes some decisions. I'm glad that there's no interim champ. I love the bracket for the tournament, for the world title. It doesn't yeah. feel like the last time we had to have an interim, he put a bunch of people that didn't make sense in a battle royal. No, every person in this bracket makes sense. So I do think that they're trying to, kind of recuperate from it the right way, but unless we get the full versions of this investigation going on and the full side of the stories, I don't know that people are ever going to be able to just let it go without wanting to take one side or the other. Yes, and I do think as ugly and as bad as that promo was from CM Punk, it could have been a lot worse had the media held him more accountable. I feel like... Oh my God, I know. Media scrum where it's pro AEW guys. And the Don't even get me started on that, Alfred. I was supposed to be at All Out. And I remember telling... I remember telling Lucha Libre online when I couldn't make it. I was like, oh, well, what am I going to miss? A press scrum? You know, those things last two hours and they're boring. I'll be okay. And then I just see all hell fall apart. And I'm like, the one, the one that I can't make it to is when everything happens. <laughs> I would have loved it for you to be there, Issa. And shout out to Nick Hausman. It's a low bar, but Nick Hausman is the MVP of these AEW media scrums in terms of actual real questions. Because there's so many people in that room terrified of Tony Khan that as TM Punk goes on this 10-minute tirade. He's talking about real life. He's talking about Colt Cabana, Scott Colton, Hangman Anna Page is an empty-headed dipshit, and the Young Bucks couldn't manage a target. I mean, he says one newsworthy thing after the other. And I believe the first question after that was, so how's your ankle feeling after this match, Mr. Punk? Who cares about the goddamn ankle? I want to hear more about this. Ask him about Scott Colton, or how does he think that the Young Bucks leak these stories? There's so many questions, and the last thing on my mind was about CM Punk's ankle. It's like Kanye West goes on a Twitter tirade about the Kardashians, and your first question is, so how did you make Jesus Walks? Who cares about Jesus Walks? I want to hear about Scott Colton. I, I do kind of. Jesus Walks still slaps to this day, but oh, agreed. <laughs> agreed. And yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like the media members, right, when you put yourself, you being in this scrum, so have I, when you put yourself in that situation, you have the little devil and the angels in your shoulders, right? And I feel like everybody that was there has to be having that moment that is like, like, push it, push the button. And you have to have the other voice in your head saying, no, like, 
Tony Khan is about to have a ta- panic attack. Just bring him back to where he needs to be. <laughs> but they're not his parents. Their job is not, even though I don't think it is, their job is not to coddle Tony Khan. Your job is to ask yeah, the question that is on anybody's mind that will create these stories. Tony Khan should have stepped up at that moment. Cut yes. the mic, cut in something. Like the way that he looked, he just... And then CM Punk's like, I'm trying to run a business here. And I'm like, no, dude, the guy next to you is running the business here. The yeah. way he just came off, he just made Tony Khan and the company just looked horrible. And that's why I was like, is this man out the door at this point? Because you just yeah. buried everybody and, and it, it just wasn't a good look. And to your point, Issa, that would have been a perfect question because if you're following along live in the chat, that was one of the most preeminent questions. Is why is Tony Khan just sitting there? Why isn't he doing anything? And that would have been a good question to ask. Like, Tony, do you agree with all this stuff that CM Punk is saying? Why are you not doing anything? Is this is it on site with the Young Bucks? Like, maybe something would have triggered him to be like, oh, like, we need to get the Young Bucks out of this building. And I mean, this situation yeah, could have and- actually been avoided with enough good questions asked. And even when Jericho sat down at the presser and, and somebody brought up that backstage meeting that was had and Jericho started talking about loose lips, which I think is a huge issue with yeah. AEW, nobody got up and asked him, like, who do you think is telling? You know what I mean? Like, like or or what consequences are going to happen if this information keeps leaking? I agree with you. I do think better questions could have been asked. Like, it, it, it just, it, they, they stopped the fun, man. They could have they kept it going. Yeah, but God bless Nick Hausman. He, he was the MVP Bendito, of that night. Nick and, you know, and he didn't deserve any of the smoke that he was getting, but this was all part of the plan, which even though it didn't go the way CM Punk thought it would, he got his shit in. He got all the stuff out that he wanted to say, and it was really just a moment in history with CM Punk for all the wrong reasons once again. Do you wonder what would have happened if Hausman was like, yeah, I'm friends with Cole. Yeah, that's like, like, oh, that would have made it even worse. I wish Hausman would be like, that's slime right there. Yeah, that's my boy. What's up? We brought the same smart tech. <laughs> <laughs> he was. We were having beers before this scrum. I know what I mean. CM Punk might have jumped that table. The brawl might have started early. You know what I mean? Nick Housen might have a black heart. <laughs> but uh, that was it. And you guys, of course, your chat's weighing in. Uh, why is number one blaming Hangman Page for starting this? Go ahead, Isa. Uh, he's. I don't know that. I, I, like I said, if if Hangman started it, I feel like Punk got a receipt. And I feel like Punk came into this scrum with an agenda that he wasn't going to forgive anyone, no matter what receipts were given or taken. And if you think about it, the conversation, the meeting that happened supposedly backstage happened after all of, after the Punk receipt and all that. So Hangman could have thought that the whole thing was squashed back there. You know, we don't know. We don't know anything. So I, I can't, I, I can't blame anybody here. All I can say is what I told you. I thought everybody that was involved in this behaved professionally and and come to find out hangman was out the building when this whole thing was going down so (laughs) and good for him and to your point about unprofessionalism uh, cody rhodes was in a similar situation with the evps where there was friction he did admit on a promo on tv that there was infighting but cody rhodes handled his situation like a pro that's why i think this is a lesser of two evil situations there is a consistency of these top stars being alienated on the other side and on the wrong side of the evps i think it's a flaw with that dynamic but there is a professional way to handle that where you can make yourself a big star in the other place instead of bringing it all to the ground the way phil did cody rose saw it all coming or cody rose was the beginning of the crumbling of things cody leaving yeah. just feels like everything turned around when it came to morale not company i mean like tony khan just reported they're about to profit a hundred million dollars if you're a business person you know a brand new business sometimes it can take five years before mm-hmm. you get out of the red it's huge they're doing good things it's just the morale and, and there's no structure there's no leadership and that needs to change Absolutely. And I think it's a little bit of both of what you said. I think he saw it coming and 
as soon as he left, he's a guy that a lot of the young wrestlers in there adore. And to this day, I think it was Ricky Starks said that to this day, he calls him and texts him every single day for advice. And he's a mentor to a lot of people in there. And he did always seem like the adult, always wearing a suit, very father-like figure. I mean, he's Dusty Rhodes' son, and he has a lot of that swagger and aura that Dusty Rhodes carried himself with. Yeah. So I think a lot of people saw him. I mean, to a lot of these younger wrestlers, he's somebody they did see kind of growing up with legacy and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, Cody, Cody's a man. He is amazing. God, Peter Bahi, friend of the show, $5. Issa witnessed a lot of craziness this past Sunday. Drunk Raj will be discussed for years to come. Issa, I heard Raj was wilding this Sunday. Yeah, I think Raj had a couple of drinks. So did I, to be fair. <laughs> not as many as he did. Definitely not as many as he did. I always miss Drunk, drunk Raj. He never drinks on our podcast. No, 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 that, that, was, that, that was beyond drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go back and watch. I'm a geeking H. I know what you're trying to do. $5. I think AEW wrestlers need to take mental health. First aid class. Still feel like it's a work. CM Punk is injured. Good excuse to remove the belt. I do not think this is a work. This is the wrong reason to get the type of publicity. I think AEW does lean into the work shoot thing too much. And that's why we're in the situation we are. But I don't think this is part of it. I don't think they're doing a work at a press scrum in this manner. I don't think they bring up Colt Cabana's mother by name and that he shares a bank account with his mom and all the ugly things that were being said. That would say more about AEW and really turn a lot of people off to AEW if they found out that this was well, Marsha, well, poor Marsha, but I'm not sure that that was the burn that Punk expected it to be. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I just like, what are, what are you getting out of this? You know, and, and I share on my watch alone, for example, a random like personal fact is that my mom is on disability and she has to have a tutor. So my mom has to have somebody in her accounts with her, whether she wants to or not. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, do you do you know the situation here? Because this could be, you know, I get how he tried to make it sound, but it's like there are situations in which people are really stuck being in accounts with other people, and that doesn't make them any more or any less than anybody. Yeah. Well, I will say it did get me to watch because I got some texts about, wow, CM Punk's really, are you watching this media scrum? And at first I'm like, hell no, I don't watch those things. I'm not. But then Who I started getting, he started to go off, CM Punk going off. And still I was like, yeah, of course, that's what he does. But then somebody texted me, he just called Colt Cabana's mom out her name. And I was like, okay, this I got to see. Okay, then maybe it's real. And that's when I saw it. There was not a doubt in my mind that, oh my goodness, it is real. And then, and then all out was so long, and I really just wanted to get the podcast over with so that I could go and watch the whole press scrum. Because oh, Raj played the clip of the Cole Cabana thing, but there were so many people texting me, and I'm seeing the timeline that more was happening. Like I didn't even get to see that he called out the EVPs or anything like that when we were doing the podcast. So at that point, I was like, can we just wrap this up? Because I really want to go watch this. <laughs> Andrew Ung for $4.99. Didn't Cody have an issue with the Elite? Yes. Over the same issue that Punk has, Punk and Cody wanted to go global, but Elite only care about their audience. I have a video right now comparing CM Punk and Cody Rhodes on Pro Wrestling Bit, the biggest and blackest YouTube channel on the planet. And that is something that does stand out to me, is a difference between Cody and CM Punk and the fact that these are two big stars. This could be a pro-CM Punk argument, although I'm on nobody's side. I want to make that clear. But yeah. you do see, looking at this neutrally, Two big stars, you can argue, two of the biggest stars that they've ever had. Two building blocks of this company that have now felt alienated by the elite. There is clearly, whether or not you want to believe anybody, there is clearly a problem with this structure where people feel alienated, they feel sabotaged, and they. Cody did it in a very professional way that you didn't hear all this. He didn't do any interviews. We could have found out about all this stuff going on. We didn't hear anything because he's a professional, but there was an issue there, and then there's an issue with CM Punk. So that is a consistent I, thing I think needs to be addressed. 
I will share that I personal opinion always thought that making wrestlers have that big of titles was not a good idea when they're also part of your on air. Like if it's a wrestler that's not wrestling, that's a whole different story, right? But somebody that's on air, part of part of, part of the part of the roster shouldn't have any kind of like that much more authority over everybody else because I kind of figure it will eventually bring faction. And I love the elite. I love being the elite. I love what yeah. they do, but I don't know that putting wrestlers with that kind of title is going to help. You know, I know that, that for example, Kenny Omega is doing a lot of things with the video game aspect of things. That, I don't mind, you know, having wrestlers assist, but like an executive vice president, you could really affect how somebody's career goes just based on the fact that you don't like them, and that's just not, it just seems like a preferential thing, but you have to remember when all Elite Wrestling started, Tony Khan didn't even want to be like in the picture. I remember we used right. to blame Cody for every booking decision yeah. that was made. Cody was the face on the beginning. So things did change over time. Oh my God, I, I will never forget. We would all tweet at Cody every time something happened that we didn't <laughs> like because Tony Khan was not as involved. So back then it was a whole different beast than what All Elite has become now. So I can see why they thought those were good choices on the beginning. But now the honeymoon is over with AEW. Now they need to figure out what to do and fix it because I shared this. And I know you feel the same way. We're wrestling content creators. We need all wrestling to be doing good. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. we don't have a job. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, so, all, we also need moments like this that are real life that get people going right. crazy. But it doesn't need to get away from it. By no means right. that, that's is it the good. Thing. I, I like the dramas. Business. Yeah. Right. I like the drama. I don't want the company to fall apart. I want the company to do well. I just want AEW to go back to feeling like an alternative. And when they started trying to become competition is when things just started getting funky. I liked it back in the day when it just felt like something different than watching WWE. Yeah. And this has been building. This has been all kinds of backstage drama leading to this moment. So people who only want to address, well, Hangman started it, CM Punk started it, well, he threw the first punch, this, that. It goes further back than that. And I think all these backstage issues created a tension that made this inevitable. Whether it was going to be CM Punk or somebody else, there was going to be something like this because a lot of people got involved. And I think this was just a lot of people just letting out a lot of steam. Yep, agree. You, hey, Peter, leave my Duke Savio Vega out of this. <laughs> Matt and me for $5. I love this super chat because this is something I have written down that I want to address that I don't think anybody has brought up. Nightmare Knee first says that CM Punk is most likely suffering from bipolar disorder. As someone who struggles with mental illness, I can see a lot of the symptoms in his actions. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not trying to be funny or anything like that. I absolutely no. agree with Nightmare Knee on that. Mm -hmm. I think there is a mental health component. And I will go further in saying I think it might be CTE. That is one of the things that came to my mind in terms of if you look at CM Punk's long wrestling career, he started out, he's been to CCW, he's wrestled Necro Brocher, he's had years of those chair shots to the head, he was part of that era, and he's taken a lot of blows. As a pro wrestler taking bumps, you know, CTE's moving forward as we learn more information is going to be a big issue that we're going to learn to diagnose and learn to diagnose while people are still living. But I think when they look at CM Punk's brain, there's going to be an element of that. And just his pattern of outbursts and behavior like this that gets him sued uh, I think this is a part of it. There's so much to bring up, and I love that super chat as well, because if you think about it, there are so many. We don't even know childhood issues, how he grew up, uh, abandonment issues. Like There's so many things that can build to other mental health issues. I, I like your theory of CTE, because this man has been wrestling his whole freaking life, right? And then he did the UFC, and he got, he got knocked. <laughs> like, yeah. He got rocked yeah, hard in point. UFC. Like, um, but 
there's and I wonder how he handles it because you have people like shout out to him and I hope everything goes well whatever it is that's happening with Malachi Black who has been put out in the open that the reason why he has for his release is due to mental health and you have people that handle mental health as you might know that you have an issue but you don't want to talk about it you want to deal with it you want to tough it out and the more you tough it out the worse it gets right so it just really makes you wonder if there's like a another issue there's you know there's so many mental health conditions and like you mentioned a possibility of cte there's a lot going on there i just hope that this break helps him but i feel bad because he just had a pretty lengthy break and he came back seeing even worse yeah. so i i don't know what what it is that he needs at this point and a shout out to peter by just watch pro wrestling bits you are gold you are gold as well you're platinum Peter Bahi. Pat Platinum Pete is what we're going to start calling him on this podcast. <laughs> uh, let's get to a couple of other news stories stemming from the CM Punk issue. There was a backstage meeting. It was said to be kind of a players-only meeting. Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho, John Moxley. It was described as the <laughs> best meeting they've tweet? ever had. Did you see my tweet about that meeting? No, what did you say? I saw a couple of Which one? I, I, I tweeted uh, about how this is exactly what the AW roster needs because Jericho will step up to the plate and then be like, be the legend, you know, like the, the voice of reason and experience. Yeah. And then Daniel Bryan will come in and be like, guys, we have bigger problems to worry about and pull out a PowerPoint about the global <laughs> warning. And then we'll close it, we close it up with Moxley telling everybody to go fuck themselves. <laughs> it was yeah, that, that's it. That's exactly how you raise uh, locker room morale. <laughs> I hope that's exactly how it went. That sounds like an awesome meeting. Me too. Well, they said it was a good, positive rah-rah meeting. Kind of an indictment further on Tony Khan's leadership because Tony Khan had a backstage meeting and it led to them eventually fighting anyway, whereas it felt like the talent needed to step up and have a players-only meeting. And apparently it went well. There was a lot of positive energy at the AEW Dynamite tapings and John Moxley's promos getting a lot of praise. And I think that's going to be the thing. The next uh, AEW Moxley's World Champion is going to be a company man. Yeah, Moxley's promo on Wednesday is one of the best that that man has caught in his career. It was believable. It was relatable. Yeah. I really do think that these are three names that you will want as your real locker room leaders. I think Moxley needs to start getting more credit because, my God, has he been the MVP and the re most reliable guy that Tony Khan can count on when everything goes to shit? Um, so I'm excited to say I, I can see all three of those guys being somebody that the younger talent or the clueless people that don't know what's going on right now will look up to and listen to. This title might come down to who can cut the best pro AEW promo. Who's got the best we are AEW material? Because they're going to need a company guy. They're going to need the opposite of what they just had. They're going to need somebody they can trust because this title has now been taken off CM Punk two times for both injury and melting down. And I disagree with someone. you. It's going to come down to who can take a pin from NJF because whoever wins this is going to lose it to NJF. So what kind of title sure. ring do you want to give someone? You know, I see some people saying, oh, Brian Danielson. I don't want Danielson's first run as world champ to end. And I do think that you have to capitalize on how hot MJF is with that chip right now. I think like give it to somebody that can take that can take a pin from MJF sooner rather than later. Sure, but I, I do think that it might be something that they could absolutely draw out if they want to add value back to that title because I think Tony Khan might Make get a little it to the pay per view at least. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It might get a little gun shy about it changing hands now. You know, it just changed hands with CM Punk. They changed hands with the Unification match. And this was a title when they started, didn't change hands for a year on average, where we'd see these long title reigns that Tony Khan's a Jim Crockett type guy. And that's what you would see. Somebody said, put the title on Larry. And I 1000% agree with that statement. Let's go. 
she's black. <laughs> this is for you, Nightmare Knee. So I'll, I'll put it out there once you answer the question. Is Nightmare Knee a Street Fighter 2 or Cody Rhodes reference? I hope Cody Rhodes. But Street Fighter 2 is dope too. Yeah. Uh, finally, with the AW rating, AW Dynamite, a lot of people interested what it would do. It did 1.035 million, which I think is what it would have done anyway with the all out pay per view, yeah, yeah. a world title change, MJF on the show, MJF returning. So I do not think that the CM Punk drama added to it really much at all because it was essentially last year they did 1.3 million for their fallout, the year before they did 1.01 million, and then even two weeks ago they did 1.049. So it's about what they've been doing, but three weeks of a million viewers in a row is good for AW. Yeah, it's great for AEW and it's exciting. And the the highest rated segment was NJF's, of course. So good for him being back. But I, I was talking about this in one of my streams. Like we all live in this wrestling bubble. We know what's going on, right? Because we cover it because we're hardcore fans. But the IWC is a lot smaller than what people give it credit for. Right? Like, mm -hmm. like, like it's not as big as you think it is. I was seeing people go back and forth on Twitter spaces. Like, oh, they're going to get 1.2. Like, it's going to bring, like, 100, 200,000 viewers. And I'm like, no, it's not. We are in this bubble. We know yeah. what happened. Nobody else cares. Like, it's not in any show. But I'm happy that they finally got that million, uh, that million over three weeks in a row. Hopefully, they can stay at that. Consistency in their numbers have been something that AW has struggled with. So this is a good sign for them. Yeah, and Derek Sabato brought up a good point on Twitter, Wrestling Researcher. He said that this whole CM Punk drama was exclusively online. This was never brought up on TV. The backstage yep. fight, everything was on, on YouTube through the dirt sheets. This was absolutely 100% an internet story. So it would have been interesting to see how that translates. And really, I really don't think it did much. And what you're talking about, Issa, you know what it reminds me of? This is It's us on the podcast. We're both Big Brother super fans, right? I love Big oh Brother. I've never did you watch it last night? I, I haven't seen it in, two, in a week. I haven't seen both episodes. I watched Right you have to watch last night. Okay, I can't you have wait. to no. watch last night. Okay, I cannot wait. But we love Big Brother, as you guys can hear. Yeah. Uh, but Issa watches all of the live feeds. I did try that one year, but I felt like it just brought me too close, and I just enjoy it more on TV. More people watch Big Brother than pro wrestling every week, and I watch every single episode on TBS. But I do not know what goes on behind the scenes in terms of how people. And it's are a edited. complete different edit. It's yes. a complete different edit, and they present these characters on Big Brother a lot different because the live feeders or the I don't keep up with the feeds, but I I watch recaps. So you have a right. lot of YouTubers, great YouTubers. That I just give you a 10 minute video telling you, you know, what happened last night. Rob has um, a podcast. Right. Oh, I love Matt Rose. Shout out to him. Yeah. Tom, TV Talk with Tom's and uh, Big Brother Boy. Those three mm. are my go tos. But anyway, so they completely edit the shows that if you don't know what's going on in the live feeds, you wouldn't even like even racism, like real life yeah. issues that you see on the live feeds. They ne sometimes they don't even make it to TV unless it becomes such a big deal that they have to show it. Like it's crazy. And it's because they know the version of the people that watch or keep up with the live feeds is a small portion to the people that actually watch the show, which is why I thought that the way that Tony Khan handled it, just saying, Hey, these titles are vacated and this is how we're going to handle it was the perfect way to do it. Don't bring up the drama that half of these people watching don't know about. Yeah, and that's actually the only time I do go on Twitter and I do get a lot of Twitter activity about Big Brother, but sometimes I like somebody a lot and I'll just be like, this guy's a really cool guy. Better not be racist. And I'll go on Twitter and see, did he say anything that they cut out that I didn't see? And so it's two completely different universes, but the live feed nation is, is like the hardcore audience. They're the people who follow yeah. it on online, but there's a much bigger audience. I would say maybe 80% of Big Brother's audience are people who just watch the TV show. 
I didn't used to keep up with the live feeds until I can't recall which season it was, but I remember going on social media and people being super unhappy about the way that something was handled. And I'm thinking, why are they so mad at this person? And that's when I started like making a point to at least like watch these daily updates just to see what happened on the feeds. Unfortunately, like you said, once you like one tweet or two, it always shows up on your timeline. So it gets spoiled no matter what. But that's the reason why I started keeping up with it is because they were presenting on TV a complete different version than what really goes on in, in the Big right. Brother house. Allison Tuckwab, a friend of the show for a dollar. Thank you, Allison. Nightmare knee, knee press nightmare, M. Bison. M. Bison, to my calculation, the greatest final boss of all time in video game history. Fight me. Okay, I'm glad that you're saying video games history. So I was going to say, we know the best final boss oh. is Roman Reigns, period. But. Oh, I, th I thought you were going to say Miko Satamora, man. I went on a deep dive on her after NXT Rose Collide. I mean, she's the final Ooh. boss, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's get into the SmackDown show. Speaking about Roman Reigns, he was not on this show, but we didn't open with Solo Sokoa. We immediately opened with uh, the instantly classic pairing of Sheamus and Gunther in the form of the Imperium versus the Brawling Brutes. They had the match you thought they would have. Very physical match. Um, spill on the outside. Sheamus hits Gunther with a knee. And then in the ring, Ridge Holland sends Kaiser to the mat. And Giovanni Vinci, he gets the tag in in the Imperium bomb. And they beat the Brawling Brutes. So, uh, again, a victory for Team Gunther. I really hope they just stretch this thing out because I want to see Gunther and Sheamus again. And I want to see Sheamus win the yes. Intercontinental title. I was looking to see when they're in Europe again because I think that'd be really cool if they did this on in Ireland or something like that. But it seems like they're not going to do it until 2023. So, whenever they can, I want to see Sheamus uh, capture that title. Yeah. Um, on behalf of the Big Meaty Man Slapping Meat Association, Special shout out to Gunther and Sheamus for getting the the pristine five-star rating as they should have. Match of the weekend, hands down, I knew it. As soon as it was announced, I told you, that's the match that I'm looking forward to the most, and they delivered. I didn't mind seeing a different version of it. I love seeing Imperium back together in the main roster. That is a breakup that I never thought makes sense. Like, why did they bring these two up and let Giovanni in NXT? Like, he really went on, he had a couple of banger matches in NXT, but he didn't yeah. do anything. He could have been up with Gunther the entire time. So I was happy to see them together, and this match slapped. I love seeing our friend Butch look more <laughs> and more like Pete Dunne, behave more like Pete Dunne. He's got the mannerisms. Now we just need some of these names back because I, I, it still bothers me that we have Butch and Gunther when we know who they should be. No, I kind but, of, because of match. you, I've grown to love Butch because of that drop. And you're going to have to do that live, Issa, because we don't have Glenn with the soundboard. And we were keeping you Butch. well alive in that podcast uh, by using that <laughs> sound drop. The streets love it. So I, I, somebody, you know, you know, Butch, Butch is our safe word. Somebody needed to yell out Butch at that press crumb. <laughs> Butch, Butch, Butch. Oh, man, they really did. That, that's all Tony Khan had to say, and I would have understood. Then I would have been Team Tony. Yeah, that would have been, if you and I were in that press crumb, we would have been elbowing each other. Butch, bro, Butch. <laughs> Anything after Butch would have been abuse. Yeah. Oh, my God. They should have absolutely done that. So we get the opener. Again, banger of an opener. Good match. Uh, this has been something match. in the Triple H era that I've noticed. And they gave him a lot of time, too. Yeah, that's like, the thing. I think they were in there for like 20 minutes. Long opening matches, not necessarily. It's funny because The Rock had that famous promo making fun of Triple H's boring 20-minute promos. Uh, but now uh. Triple H in the era, he likes doing matches. And I, I liked it. I like especially with this pairing. It's not always good with the match, but this pairing 
was riding a lot of momentum coming off of their instantly classic match. God, I love the match. The only flaw is that Sheamus didn't win, but I really love this match with Gunther and Sheamus. I need to go back and watch it. I need to go back and rewatch it. And I don't say that about a lot of matches, but that is one that I really want to go back and, and rewatch. 100%. Uh, we get Solo Sokoa coming out to join the bloodline. Sami Zayn just stole this entire show every time he was in any type of segment. I freaking love Sami Zayn. He goes out there and goes, as a young honorary oof. <laughs> Grow- no, he said growing up as yeah, an yeah, honorary oof. And then Jimmy was like, chill. <laughs> I absolutely love this. Uh, Solo Sokoa comes out there, confirms that he is here to stay. He says, when you come for my family, I come for you. And he didn't pause that. So Solo Sokoa will come for you as long as you come for his family first. Pause. There was a lot of uh, read between the line moments because when Drew McIntyre interrupted later on, all that we hear him say is like, I want you. I want you tonight. And I'm like... Somebody needs to put some adult music behind this and uh, put a sizzle reel together. I'm like, is this episode of SmackDown sponsored by Blue Shoe? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be available Blue on browsers. BlueShoe.com Blue slash demon. Just, just throwing that. Ah, oh, hey, BlueShoe.com slash demon, everybody. No shame in that game. <laughs> uh, some people consider it an enhancement, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Solo, solo's coming for you. Um, yeah. I, I love Sami Zayn. Stole the moment. And I got to tell you something. When they when it happened, because you know it's going to happen, it has to be Roman, the one that beats him up. It has to be. Sure. Roman. Oh, yeah. That'll because get him we've seen so many, Yeah, we've seen so many moments between them. Their interactions are perfect. It can't be Jay. Jay will be too predictable. It has to be Roman or Jimmy, like one of the ones that kind of like him. But I think if Roman is the one that turns on Sami, I will actually be a little hurt. It does. Yeah, it really should be him because then that would be a decision to kick him out of the bloodline, and that's a decision only right. Roman Reigns should make if he's being consistent with his character. Right. Uh, Drew, Drew McIntyre barges in, and this is my favorite part about this. It's kind of subtle, but it really puts Solo Sokoa over. Drew McIntyre is storming to the ring with a steel chair. It's your top baby face, pissing vinegar oh, yeah. steel chair. The Usos run for their lives. Sami Zayn runs for his life. Solo Sokoa is about that life. Like he is that street guy that they're saying is he wants the smoke, even with the chair. He wanted the smoke. He stayed right there. He was yeah. not intimidated. I love. You're absolutely right. I actually love that moment because everybody else ran and he was just standing there, like what. What? And you know they're calling him the champion of the streets. He looked the part at that moment. Absolutely. You don't see them book baby faces like this. This is a baby face yeah. move that this guy is willing to take on Drew McIntyre, even with a steel chair. And uh, so Drew kind of clears the ring with the chair. Solo still there, stands his ground. Sami Zayn takes the bullet for Solo Sokoa, and uh, the bloodline goes retreating. So this sets up Solo and Drew McIntyre. Now, this is one of the great things that could have potentially be great of this bloodline, as if it couldn't get better with Sami Zayn. What I like that they've done is every each Uso has a different relationship with Sami. Like, Jay hates yeah. him. Jimmy tolerates him, but doesn't necessarily like him. Solo Sokoa was very grateful that Sami Zayn got in the way. I want Solo Sokoa to love Sami Zayn. I hope Solo is like, like Sami's like the Solo Whisperer, where Solo, Sami's Solo's guy. And like, even the other two, like Jay hates him and it's kind of lukewarm with Jimmy, but I want Solo to ride for Sami Zayn. You call it lukewarm, they have a secret handshake. Once you once you start a shake, secret handshake with someone, I feel like it's past lukewarm. Like there's something there. There is, it's, but I don't feel like Jimmy is team as Sammy. He, he's just kind of a mediator. Like, if Sammy gets out of line, he'll check Sammy and say, hey, man, if Jay gets out of line, he'll be like, don't worry about Sammy. But Solo could be the guy like, no, that's my friend. And he, he could be the only person that Solo likes. 
Maybe I can see that happening. I mean, we did see Solo being a little apprehensive towards Sammy. And then after Sammy made that save backstage, Solo kind of like, you know, embraced the Sammy love. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Solo seems to be very gracious with Sammy. We would see more of the same uh, later tonight. But uh, before that, it was Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah versus Toxic Attraction. It was a fine match. Kept it short. Raquel and Aaliyah seem to have like a Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo type relationship where it's like the big, like Spike and Tyke, like the big bulldog and the little bulldog. Uh, and Raquel Rodriguez is kind of positioned to do most of the work. And she got the Tahana bomb on JC Jane and they kind of dusted Toxic Attraction. I think it was a funny line from Corey Graves where Michael Cole said that Aaliyah had hid wrestling from her parents. She hid the fact that she was training from wrestling from her parents. And then Corey said that Gigi's parents hid the fact that they were her parents for years. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a live round from Corey Grace. <laughs> I missed that. That's freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were getting on Corey Graves because they felt like they were entitled to Nigel McGinnis, but I thought Corey Graves was very good on this show. Yeah, he was okay. He was okay tonight. I mean, you're, you're always going to no feel... No Pat McAfee. The, yeah, you're going to miss him, and, and Pat is such a big part of SmackDown that I feel like it's going to take a couple of weeks to warm up to Corey being there. Yeah. And okay, boys and girls, here's one of the more interesting segments of the show. Ronda Rousey. Last week, Ronda uh, Rousey went ham on Adam Pierce. And we get that wide shot of Michael Cole. Same shot they used for when he announced <laughs> Naomi and Sasha's suspension. And Michael Cole had some soft no! tweets for CM Punk. He said Ronda Rousey was facing an internal punishment that nobody knows about. Rhonda, and I quote, aired her dirty laundry publicly. Hence the reason this investigation was being done behind the scenes. Ladies and gentlemen, there are no coincidences in this company. And this is one of the ways Triple H is just like Vince McMahon, that pettiness. You know, this is top of mind in terms of what Triple H wants to accomplish is really take it to AEW. And this sounded like a shot at CM Punk. No, Issa? (laughs) 1,000%. I, I... I personally find those subtle shots a lot better than like you. I think you made a TikTok that I'm still laughing yeah. about, like the two former WWE guys promoting AEW. Yeah. That's how AEW takes their shots at WWE. It's not subtle, and I just love. I feel like it feels so much petty when you just do it in a way where you're like, yeah. "Did he just say?" Yeah, he did, right? So, uh, shout out to Michael Cole for this. Hopefully, it was Triple H like whispering it in his ear. I. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with you because when it's petty like that, then it does lead to the discussion like, oh, did you guys pick up on that? And it becomes juicier as opposed to MJF, what he did, which is, yeah, I kind of like the parody that I made. He's just one WWE reference on the nose after another. It works for the arena in the room, but people are just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, it's not that edgy yeah. anymore. I think I think what I took away from NJF promos was his ability from go from the biggest baby face in the company to back to his heel ways in the same segment. And I think that is so commendable. Like he's so talented that he just showed you I can play whatever role they need me to play. And it was cool. But there was a lot of name dropping. I like the Cody Rhodes name drop in, in AEW just because it's always gonna reel back to that. Um, when he said "Gross Saint Nick," I pop for that. But yeah, they're 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 just at WWE are not subtle, and I prefer the more. It just feel more um, evil when you do it subtly than yeah. just screaming it out loud. 
I mean, AEW still hasn't learned his lesson from doing these work shoots. Like, I hope MJF behind the scenes sign an extension, but we're seeing tampering. We're seeing people force their way out of contracts. And the more they flirt with this idea that MJF might leave, the more WWE might try to make that happen. And stranger things have happened. I just think they're going down a dangerous road doing this. Yeah, and by the way, Triple H did a presser. He did a scrum after Clash, which they never do. And I feel bad because that's an AEW thing. AEW always does the scrum. I don't like it. I prefer media day where you get one-on-one interviews with some wrestlers. Like I think that's better. But I was I was thinking, oh my god, AEW has to slay the scrum because I really like the scrum that Triple H did after Clash. I hope WWE keeps up with the scrums. Random topic, but I feel like nobody's talking about the fact that WWE did a, a press conference after the pay-per-view, which they yeah. haven't been doing. And Triple H just sat back and let his talent spoke because he probably knew nobody was going to make him look like an idiot. But, (laughs) you know, I just hope that WWE continues to do that. Roman Reigns killed it. Yeah, this is a good way to advance the storylines and how I think they should be used. You know, if you, especially, I don't think the hybrid with the real media works because it kind of exposes everybody. But this at least right. is being done to advance storylines and, you know, create content online. Uh, yep. We do have a couple more from the Tony Khan issue. Allison Tuckwab for 199 says, Tony was scared. Tony got punked. Yeah, Tony did look scared in that press conference. He did look bigly. He did. Did not look like the president of that company. You would have never known with the naked eye that that's what was going I on. Can. I can't. I can't. All good? I can think about is the the water drinking moment. I, <laughs> that showed up. That showed up on my timeline, and I have not. I I bookmarked it. Just when I'm in a bad mood, I'm gonna go back and look at that. <laughs> Some bad. He's very. I don't know what it is about Tony, if it's his expressions, but he's very gifable in terms of these little, whether it's a screenshot, there's a screenshot of him just looking so defeated while CM Punk is just going off and he's like drinking one of those seltzers and CM Punk, or uh, Tony kind of just got like this saddest look on his face. He's a walking meme. He really is. She the Black for 499, Shang Tsung, Shao Kahn, Akuma on Street Fighter 2 Turbo would like to have a word. He's, uh, of course, opposing me. And she always has great kind of counter arguments to me. I remember we argued about Michael Jordan uh, in the Wizards, which is very fun. But yes, those are all very formidable final bosses. But I'm telling you, they ain't no one bison. Come for me. <laughs> okay. We move on with this show <laughs> about final bosses. Uh, speaking of final bosses, okay, so Ronda Rousey, she wins the Fatal Five way. They really put her over. So what happens here is Ronda submits Natalia, and the best moment of this match happens where Ronda and Sonya Deville both tap out Zia Lee and Lacey. So that sets up Ronda and Sonya. But this isn't Karen Sonya. This is put your hair up and square up Sonya, which I completely forgot about. And they never even yeah. let her do her MMA thing when she was facing Ronda in that era. But they let these two do a hybrid MMA brawl, and I thought it was awesome for what it was. It was about it was. two minutes. It was incredible. It looked like an actual fight. Kind of reminded me of Jake Hager and Brian Danielson's match, which I really loved that they did kind of a hybrid MMA match. So this is really, really cool. And uh, Ronda Rousey ended up winning and submitting Sonya Deville. And then backstage... We get Ronda Rousey and Sonya oh, Deville. Oh, my God. Yes. As I had hoped oh. for this past Saturday. No, Shayna. Like Shayna Baszler. Sorry, Shayna Baszler. Yep. Her real-life best friend, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey go backstage. And it looks like we're getting that alliance. And this is exactly what I want before they have that inevitable match. There's a lot you could do with this. Oh, my God. She said, if you're ready to take over this show with me, let me know. And I was like, yes, let her know. Can we talk about how they're going to turn Liv heel? They probably are. Her- I think Liv- 
Done. Her sitting in a suite by herself, that's a heel move, if I ever saw one. Somewhere Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot were crying. Like, <laughs> like we could have been there. Where... But uh, yeah, I, it was so funny though, because there was, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a shot of Liv from behind sitting there watching the match. And she was shaking. I don't even know if she knows she was being recorded, but I was like, why is she already scared? <laughs> I've been shaking too, man. The way they're, this thing is going, there's been reports that they really want to build Ronda into a megastar. And what I see happening between Ronda and Shayna is they're going to recreate the golden alliance. What was the golden role yeah. models of Bailey and Sasha Banks? Remember, that was done in an empty arena. We didn't get to see that in live crowds. And it was a very successful, very beloved angle. I see them putting the tag team titles on Ronda and Shayna. I see them making Ronda yep. a double champion. I see them running through the roster and then eventually losing the titles and then feuding for that world title at wrestlemania i think that's direction yep. and it's going to take Liv morgan losing and if she turns heel in all this uh i don't think that's going to be a good thing either the problem here i don't think ronda and Shayna are going to be baby faces doing this i think they're presenting it like they're going to be these two badasses but this is going to be a baby face gimmick this is going to get over and it's going to leave right now ronda is very very over i would have never guessed yeah. that it was going to take adam pierce to make this happen for ronda but it really did this back and forth that she had with adam pierce the last few weeks really helped build this character. I did find it a little unfair the way that the match went today. It was like they were announcing it everywhere and it lasted like two minutes and then she had that really awesome match with Sonya Deville. If you're a fan of Total Divas, you know, they, they went back and forth about Ronda. <laughs> a years ago when they were both on Total Divas, Ronda like completely trashed like uh, her MMA background, Sonya's. So I was like, this is a match Total Divas in the making for years, okay? Yeah. Like I remember. Um, but yeah, overall, I think, I think Sonya, I, I'm sorry, I think Shayna and Ronda could really be something special and some of us OG fans have been waiting for them to just come together and destroy everyone, make it happen already. Yeah. And uh, Dylan Matthews for $2.99. I will be shocked if MJF goes to WWE now. I will not. Nothing shocks me in this no. business. Things change from a month-to-month basis. You never know what's going to set somebody off or if there's a moment that they After. thought they should have won a match. We've seen so many people forced their way out of these contracts. And it's funny because Tony Khan had that tweet saying, no, I've still got all my talent under contract for five years. Since then, we've seen one guy after another force themselves out there. And it could always happen. I'm going to be honest with you. After this year and the news that we have covered and every time that something happens, you go, yeah, it can't get worse than this. And then mm -hmm. the news just keep happening. I do not believe anything is impossible in wrestling anymore. Yeah. You really never say <laughs> never. Kelvin, our Alexander friend of the show, Sonia is one of the most talented athletic women they have. I think Sonia's Great. gotten a lot better. And I want to see, as part of this war path of Ron and Shayna, I want to see Sonia and Ronda in like a, maybe a 10 minute shoot type match that they had. Cause I think they could do more yeah. with it. I was really intrigued by what was going on there. Yep. We get uh, Los Lotharios and Maximum Male Models versus the Street Row. It's Hit Row and the Street Profits. I thought this was the best night of Hit Row since they came back. I, I will admit, yep. much as I love Hit Row, Top Dollar follows me, shout out, that's my guy. Uh, they really haven't hit the way I wanted them to without a Swerve Strickland, and they've kind of found their footing, but I thought Top Dollar looked like an absolute star. He teased that he's going to do this big dive, and the place went crazy. Good crowd in Seattle tonight, but then uh, Sophia stopped it, and man, were they furious. And uh, Hit Row eventually ended up winning as uh, they hit their new finisher. It's like a Samoan drop, drop kick combination. Yep. So this was a good showing for Hit Row, I thought. Yeah, first of all, Mansoor's lace shirt, I need it in my <laughs> life, like now. Um, yeah, this was fun. I thought Hit Row looked great here. Maybe it was the pairing with the with the Street Profits. The Street Profits feel a little, 
I don't know. Like they have no path right now. They're all over the place. They came out later for the save for what reason? You know, for what reason? So I have questions about that in regards to the match itself. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was the best that Hit Row has looked since they came back. For the record, top dollar follows me too. Thank you very much. Hey, he knows talent. That's all. <laughs> he, he just follows the top YouTube creators in the country. That's what he does. <laughs> hey, Can you know what? I think that uh, I really would like to see Top Dollar and, and Hit Row kind of connect, but I want to see more rapping from them. I think that's what got them over. It seems like they're just kind of being slotted as a generic tag team. They went on way right. too long. I don't think I did the show that week, but they did this rap that went on. It was like a whole rap of chorus verses and stuff. Yeah. I want more freestyles of what they were doing, uh, you know, more just as much as they wrestle, because that's what makes them special. Uh, but did you pop, did you pop for... Uh... Maximum male models pose during in the middle of the match because I thought it was great. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> that, yeah, they're doing more and more. It seems like they're not really elevating maximum male models, but they're doing good comedy spots with them in terms of these yeah. uh, matches that they're having. A Buckeye fan five for four ninety nine. Do you find it weird that company whose backstage issues look professional and the one whose previous owner was forced out because of me too? That is kind of weird that AEW feels like the company that's falling apart, considering that. Even like a couple of months ago, the idea of Vince McMahon being away from WWE was a disaster scenario to a lot of people where they thought, even yeah. when Vince McMahon retired, they thought, oh my God, the reason he did it after the stock market closed was, man, this stock price is going to tank. This company is going to fall apart. People are going to abandon the ship. And WWE has been very good. They've been the best they've been in years. And AEW, without this type of scandal, has really started <laughs> to fall apart. Yeah, I mean, I go back and forth on that because it well, it was entanglements. There's NDAs. Nobody really came out and said, this is what happened between me and Vince. He was <laughs> using company money to pay these women off to keep them quiet, right? But ultimately, while we know what happened, the reason why he was let go was for mis mismanaging company funds, really. And he wasn't let go. He retired. He would have probably been asked to step down regardless. Mm -hmm. But what, the only thing that he's guilty of, even though we know better, we know better, but yeah. the only thing he's guilty of is using company money to pay them off. Absolutely. That's when they could trace it. That's when the SEC got involved, FBI. That's yeah. when it became very serious. Right. We have a Braun Strowman destroying Alpha Academy. So this is Braun. He gets new theme music, which I do not like as much as his old theme music. Crowd goes nuts for him. He hit power bombs. He hit this power bomb on Otis. That was almost effortless. It looked really impressive. Yeah. And these people went crazy. So they're clearly building him up, I think, for Roman Reigns down the line. And Roman <laughs> Reigns, they're going to need to do a lot with him. Because if he's going to have this for seven months and it's just going to be predictable, they're going to need to add something and at least try to make somebody look convincing. But that's going to be the flaw in, in this whole bloodline storyline as we move to Cody Rhodes or The Rock or whatever they decide to do. Is, it's another seven months until WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the limited appearances do help for that. I think Braun looks incredible. He's in such yeah. excellent shape. I was just talking about it earlier today, just remembering when he debuted with Bray Wyatt. Now, I'm not saying he was not in good shape, but he was thick, okay? The man, the man had a belly, and just to see the incredible shape that he has gotten into, good for him. This was fun. The crowd loved him. The kids loved the spots that Braun Strowman yeah. did. I think it was an excellent business decision to bring him back. Yes, he's very he's not good for me. He's not favorite but i can see exactly why you would want that attraction especially after having to not watch him there and watch omas then i was like okay I, we need a giant but we need a giant that's skilled omas cannot do some of the things that braun can actually do so yeah and he hasn't been wrestling for nearly as long and it shows i think they right. thought that they could just cut copy and paste with a giant that it's such an average formula but the level of wrestling has gone up so much and all the little things that you need to do as a giant 
uh, are things that Braun Strowman does very well. And I think he definitely adds yeah. something. And we talk about that it factor, and I think Braun had it. Because even when he debuted with the beard and the black mask and not in the shape that he's in, you were still right. like, oh, holy crap. Who I is remember that. Bray Wyatt? Yeah, but Braun has always had an it factor that makes you look at him and go like, oh, man, this man means business. And I didn't, I never really got that from Omas, regardless of how impressive his size is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Braun Strowman, ever since he was released, has just been working out with Raquel Gonzalez. They've just been hitting those weights, and that's why he's, he's been controlling his narrative. He's yes, been controlling I, his narrative. I pray he works that into a promo. Braun, if you're watching this, please work the words, control your narrative into a promo. No. I just need I just need him and even if they turn the cameras to black and white, him and, and carry on cross to just do a little nod like walking <laughs> by each other backstage. We made it, brother. <laughs> just one more two down, one to go. Poor EC3. Imagine you start this whole company because they're gonna be all in with you and then they just leave you as soon as the phone call comes. That's the oh, that's all he must hate WWE. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Solo, your main event. They had a good match uh, backstage. Yeah, Drew had cut a promo on Solo saying how pissed off he was. Uh, Sami Zayn takes another bullet for Solo Sokoa uh, during a Claymore, and Solo hits a great super kick on him. And then if you see, if you read the tea leaves of this match, it's Solo Sokoa's debut. It's also Drew McIntyre's first match coming off a really big loss. So I didn't yeah. think either of these guys were going to lose. And Karrion Cross came in, and he hit the cross jacket finisher. The lights go black and white on the screen. Uh, I think this is a little polarizing, but I think it added something. I like that they're doing this with Karrion Cross because he is about the bells and whistles, and then it fades to black. So I thought this was a cool visual. Yeah, I like that. I love the match. Solo Sokoa, and we talked about it on Tuesdays, always looked like he just didn't need to be in NXT. He looked way above NXT level in that show tonight. Like, he held his own up there with Drew McIntyre. Um, I thought Drew McIntyre was making him look like a star, but Drew McIntyre never looked weak. They just worked well together. They had really good chemistry. I'm with you. I'm looking at this match, and I'm going, Drew can lose his first match after Clash. Solo can lose his debut, so what's going to happen here? What I didn't agree with, and I already mentioned it earlier, is the Street Profits coming out to try to stop the bloodline. At first, it made no sense, and we've done the Street Profits and the bloodline way too many times for yes. it to be the program that we go into with the bloodline. I'd rather the titles not get defended for a little bit longer and maybe build something with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in the future after the breakup, you know, but I don't want to see a repeat of... I think Viking Raiders have been looking really good. Why not them? Just yeah. You know, I just, I need a breather from that because the Street Profits and the Uso starting to feel like the Street Profits and the New Day just matches that while they put on bangers every time, you've seen them too many times. Yeah. So outside of that, I really liked it. I like Karen. I thought Karen Cross was just going to come out and toss a water bottle and leave. But <laughs> <laughs> toss the water bottle when it hits and the screen turns black and white. Yeah. And then the show ends. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I I I said it. I said it to you guys since the beginning. Karrion Cross is coming from Drew. He'll get to Roman, but he's always been after Drew since day one. So that's gonna be the next field for Drew McIntyre. And that answers the super chat, which I completely agree with you, Issa. Stephen Mark Gucci for one ninety nine. Cross versus McIntyre. The winner gets Reigns at SummerSlam. I do see that being the path. Is that? I think he means Survivor Series. Survivor Series. So yeah, absolutely, because we're going to November. Survivor Series in November. I could see it being Roman Reigns versus Karrion Cross. Uh, yeah, Rose. I'm very, very, this is the most excited that I've been for a, <coughs> excuse me, for a Survivor Series in forever. Because the brand versus brand thing, I'm hoping Triple H ends that. 
Yeah. And maybe we'll get real Survivor Series. And if that's the case, the bloodline might build their own team. They have five, if you think about it. So I personally think that maybe Triple H will bring back the old concept of Survivor Series and we might not see titles being defended or champions versus champions here. We might just have the good old Survivor Series that you know we liked and loved at some point. Hopefully. I mean, if you've seen the artwork, and I don't know how <laughs> this was approved before or after Triple H, it does suggest it's going to be a brand versus brand thing, Raw versus Why? Brand. Because everybody's going back and forth between yeah. brands, so it doesn't make any sense anymore to do a brand versus brand. And what, the Usos are going to fight themselves? Roman Reigns is going to, I mean, I will pay. I'll pay for Roman Reigns to fight himself. I'll probably attend live if that's, if that's the main event. But it doesn't make sense to do champion versus champions with so many titles being unified. I feel like you would pay to see Roman Reigns do a lot of things to himself, but we don't have to get into all. No, oh, 1,000%. One, one <laughs> oh, Issa, the streets are talking. Dylan Matthews, and I have done a little bit of research, and this is out there. Breaking. Wrestling Observer reports Young Bucks sent out feelers to WWE. Okay, for reasons I cannot discuss. I was thinking this whole time they need to be worried about Kenny Omega because of the contract issue of him possibly going, and I think this changes a lot, but the idea and you know nobody's tighter with the young bucks and Meltzer. i mean they literally named their finisher after him so uh the young bucks if this is coming from Meltzer, that the young bucks are sending out feelers to wwe uh, i'd be very very nervous if i'm tony khan he might have to you know clear out all of these parties and try to start from scratch with the locker room he has dylan matthews also tried to report that the rock had resigned with wwe he did say so that i'm not yes. sure I'm not sure we can trust his reporting. Here. We are not confirming saying. this. Yes, we are not confirming or the denying. Thought, the thoughts say. of Dylan Matthews are Dylan. Exactly. <laughs> the views expressed by Dylan Matthews are his own. And that's why I did kind of Google it and, and look it up. It is on, there are some headlines as of an hour ago that they, they have uh, sent out some feelers. So do more research. I'm sure there's going to be more news as we do more shows. And we talk to you on Monday and Tuesday. But it does not surprise me at all that they're at least sending out the feelers and Triple H is just, I mean, you talk about hitting the jackpot. Think about where Triple H was this time three months ago where he's, you know, recovering from his very serious health issue. He's on the outside looking into the corporate structure, probably thinks, okay, my days as any type of power figure in WWE are over. He's basically a figurehead. And now not only is he on top of the wrestling world, not only does he have momentum, we're in the Triple H era. He might, the young boys and Kenny Omega might fall into his lap, ladies and gentlemen. I can't think of a better luck up run. What I'm more concerned about with this report is CM Punk. How is he handling this? Because, you know, he hates that the Young Bucks be leaking information out. So if he saw this report, he's probably so pissed off. Nick Jackson reports <laughs> that the Young Bucks have sent feelers. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> she Black Reigns' best matches are with Wyatt and Strowman. I loved Reigns' match with Strowman, I'll tell you that. Okay. I think I think Reigns' best matches were with Wyatt and Strowman pre-Tribal Chief. I think Roman Reigns has put on some bangers with pretty much everybody that he gets after this whole head of the table run. It's, it's very difficult to point out what his best matches are because I actually think when I look at Roman Reigns' head of the table run, my least favorite match, believe it or not, was the John Cena match. I didn't like oh, it. Really? Oh, I could, yeah, they didn't yeah. really do much. And I'll tell you what, the, yeah. I talk about the pandemic. The match he had with Jay Uso, I think, especially that Hell in a Cell match, yes. that's something I'd like to see him from yes. the crowd. was one of his forgotten, wanted, underrated matches. I wanted to see it. That, oh, my God, that I quit. Was it I quit? Inside Hell in a Cell match? Yeah. It was insane. And uh, the storyline behind there, main, Jay, main event Jay. I really wanted that with Jimmy, when Jimmy came back as well, just to see if they could, you know, have the same magic. But, you know, he put on some great matches. That triple threat with Edge and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania was incredible. His match with Cesaro, his run with 
Kevin Owens. Like, like, like Roman has had some incredible, even the, the match that he just put on with Drew McIntyre. I know yeah, there was a lot awesome. of, there was a, there was a lot of pageantry to it, but they killed it. Like it was a really good match. And they did the same thing as Survivor Series when they did the champion versus champion, like Roman, the argument, I don't know why some people still would like to put out there the argument that Roman can't wrestle, which I don't even try to entertain that anymore. Roman is putting on banger matches at this point with anybody that you put him in there with. But um, the big dog version of Roman Reigns, yes, I do think his best opponents were Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. My favorite big dog matches, and this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. I saw it live. was Roman and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31. I don't think it's enough. Oh my credit. god, that's my all time. Oh my god, match. that's that's like top three favorite Roman Reigns matches for me. Um, I gotta tell you something. It was the sexiest thing I ever seen. When Brock kept punching him and he just laughed about it, that shit is hot. I don't care what yeah. anybody wants to say. Uh so good, so good. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. He didn't have a safe word that night. No, that was there was no. Listen, there was a flash warning, like a flash flood warning on my phone. I don't even know what caused it. It, it was a mess. <laughs> We're headed to Rampage. Let's go to flash flood into Rampage. It's Darby Allen versus Sammy your kayak. <laughs> Get a wetsuit on, everybody, please. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara opens this up. It's a hot match. Uh, we get a cut on the floor by Sammy. Anna Jay comes in and interferes. Darby Allen takes his bump on the skateboard. Wasn't as bad as it initially looked. Uh, didn't really get all of it, which is good, because that looks like it would really hurt. And then uh, Darby Allen loses. Sammy Guevara beats Darby Allen and moves on. <clears throat> Great. Turn I don't think Darby... one of these guys exactly. is going to make it to the end. But again... When it came to the brackets and seeing names that made sense, it did make sense. I thought Sammy made a little more sense than, than Darby because Darby kind of being in the losing end when it comes to singles matches. Like, yeah, he won that coffin match, but that's a gimmick match. Brody can beat him in like a normal wrestling match like yeah. twice, right? So, but regardless, I don't think either one of these guys is going into the end. But if he gives us a good tournament with good matches, let's just go for it. And it's good to see two AW day one pillars being here that haven't won this title, competing against the guys that have won the title. A great match. It was fun. I thought it was the right guy that won here just because, like I said, Darby's been in the losing end a lot recently. And, yeah, but I don't think either one of them is making it to the end. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we get Samoa Joe. He is interrupted by Mark Sterling. He says that Josh Woods saved his life. Samoa Joe challenges Josh Woods. Sterling stops him. We're getting this next week in Albany. Are you fired up for this week, Issa? I'm always fired up for uh, Samoa Joe wrestling. I think next week's Dynamite is shaping up to be very, very good. Yeah, and uh, Sterling did say that because Tony Nese's gimmick is that he has abs. I mean, there's really nothing else to him, it doesn't seem, in terms of how people book him. So Sterling said that he has more abs than Samoa Joe has had matches in AEW, which is true. Samoa Joe has only had five matches in AEW, and Tony Nese has, I yep. believe, eight abs. He's got like an eight-pack sometimes. Yeah, depending, depending on the angle. Yeah, depending on how he's training. You know, if he's, if he's on keto, <laughs> it's eight pack. Yeah. We get Miro talking about how he's pissed. He's blaming this on God that he's not in this tournament. He's flexing his pecs every time he delivers a punchline. And he says he's flawless. He says, belt the, re the Redeemer now because he's upset with uh, God for not putting him in this tournament. Uh, are you upset that Miro is not in this tournament, Issa? No, because I haven't done anything for him to earned his way there. I mean, you haven't done anything with Miro since he lost that TNT championship. 
Yeah. And that was his best. I mean, I mean, it's a name value and he would have gone against people I want to see him go against. Yes. But I will be a hypocrite if I tell you that I hated everybody they put in the Battle Royal for the first tournament, you know, when they were crowning the interim because none of those people deserve a title shot. So I can't tell you that Miro is in a position right now where he hasn't even had a singles match in forever. Great promos. I mean, if, if the brackets were based on people that are great on the mic, he should have been there. He should have gotten a bye. But he hasn't been wrestling enough for him to earn a way into the bracket so I, I no i'm not upset i think it doesn't make sense to put him there yeah it does make the tournament look like it means more too because the people who are in it it seems like they've actually earned it through wins and losses which right. AEW likes to promote right we get serena deem and madison rain i think serena deem look incredible in this match they were does. going back and forth serena was saying that she's a real coach here uh we get get the table chance but this is an incredible wrestling match in terms of holds yeah. and Serena gets a submission victory, and I mean, she's pound for pound, maybe like a top five, top ten wrestler in AEW. Just but she's way up there. Not just in AEW, period. In the world, like, yeah. Serena Deeps have been putting on some great matches, and I'm just surprised that her match with Thunder Rosa was incredible. I think what, Double or Nothing is where they had their match. Yeah, yeah. incredible, and I, I wish that we're doing a little bit more with her, but yeah, I, I mean, every time she's wrestling, I sit down and I enjoy what she does, so props to her. She found the fountain of youth as well. She keeps yeah. looking better and better every time I see her. Great physique and great shape. She has great submission. Good striking. I mean, everything she does looks crisp. I think she's, there's a reason she's a coach. Yeah. We get Jade and the baddies. I thought their promo was excellent. They're doing kind of like the Usos New Day influence where one person says something and she says, and they had the timing down. I thought it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cut the shit off, friend. Cut the shit. <laughs> yeah. She's calling everybody out. I liked it. She's great. Jade is great. Looks up. I just love her. She's incredible. She has it. Um, I was a fan of Jade with the long, dark hair, but she said she didn't like the long hair. I saw her tweet about it, and I was mm. like, man, when she came out in the She-Hulk outfit, but the long, dark hair looked so good on her. I was hoping she was keeping it, but it doesn't matter. She'll look good in anything. So, yeah, it was a fun promo. I, I just, I wish Jade was world champ. I wish that they would somehow get the TBS title and, and give more people the chance at that title and then just make Jade the face of the actual women's division already because this this network title still come off as mid-card to me and Jade doesn't look mid-card. Yeah, but I would argue that the TBS title is the more important title than the women's title because with all due respect to Thunder Rosa, she really wasn't booked well as champion. So I think she was down when she won it. And now it's an interim title. And Jade Cargill, she's undefeated. The big white whale out there is beating Jade Cargill. You can make a star beating Jade Cargill. We've seen that you cannot make a star just by winning yeah, that AEW title. You, but don't if they care. The right person, you don't care about the women's division. So it's yeah, like, what star are you going to make when you're not booking the... Like, you just book Tony Storm in a match with Penelope Ford for no reason whatsoever on Dynamite. And it's just like, you're already booking her in a the same way you, what, what you were doing to Thunder Rosa, putting her in nothing matches just to feature her out there. Like, they haven't had a compelling storyline with the women in a long, long time. I actually think the last time I was invested in a storyline was Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, and they've been okay. building this since old-school AW. So, old-school AW, like the companies yeah, that own You know what I mean. Yeah, but you know what I mean, right? It's, and I actually feel it's the only good story that they've done. I do like the streak of Jane, but... It makes her matches predictable, but you're right. The moment she gets pinned, it's going to be a moment. Yeah, and they're going to have to follow up on that, but everybody's going to be talking yeah. about that, and if they tell the right story, yeah, they can, and the operative but word to is To your can. point, 
to your point, when Jay had the TBS title and Britt Baker, because they booked her a lot better, had the world title, they both felt very important. Now, I don't feel like the world title feels as important as Jay. Yeah, yeah definitely. She does seem above uh, that title. But, um, yeah. I think she's doing a good job. Uh, we get Dax versus Claudio and the main event. So they're really talking up Dax as the underdog. I, I really like their exchange there. And uh, they had a pretty good match. It was hard hitting. The crowd was clearly tired by this point, but uh, they did get into yeah. it toward the middle and end. They had some good spots. Uh, Claudio won with a sharpshooter and is still the ROH world champion. And this Dax, I'm telling you, there is money in promoting Dax. You don't necessarily have to put the title on him, but him chasing and the idea of him as this underdog who goes for the world champion, maybe gets on a win streak. I think people would really get behind that. Yeah, I was actually very intrigued by Jericho on commentary saying, I never been Ring of Honor champion. I was like, oh, are we going to see Jericho versus Claudio in AEW? Um, another show that Tony Khan decided to end by booking a Ring of Honor title match. Yeah. Um, I find that curious. That, that's how I personally thought they should have flipped main events on Dynamite. And here, this one felt like a bigger deal. Like, what would you put in that position? Like, the world title tournament? No, but... Both shows ended with a Ring of Honor title match, and I find that a weird choice. But yeah, this was a fun match. Dax Harwood is so talented, and I love seeing him in singles competition because he doesn't get talked about enough because everybody, we all love FDR, but they're both each talented on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Dax Harwood gets a lot of singles matches, and they were really playing up how he was the underdog because he's such a tag team specialist. So I like that. And they had a fine match, and that was Rampage. Nothing to write home about. This was recorded, so they did have the tournament. We'll see if that could be a draw. We'll see if there's a Fast National Saturday tomorrow. I, I don't know. I cannot tell you for sure. The streets do what they do, man. Okay? The streets do what they do. Don't get mad at the messenger. She Black for 199. <laughs> the best AEW champion for a while, and I agree with that. I think she's carried herself yep. like a champion. They're doing the Goldberg formula, and I think it's mm -hmm. working with Jay. Peter Bahi for $5. It is. Brandon Cutler will be the only member of the elite retained. Like Owen Hart was the Hart Foundation. Brandon Cutler will be the world champion. Well, that is a hot, hot take from Platinum Pete. Uh, I don't see Brandon Cutler being a world champion, but stranger things have happened. Uh, they didn't even pick him to be the third in the trios. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they picked him to be fourth. <laughs> but uh, poor Brandon, he does good as well. I think he's very funny in his role. I just, I, I want, like, I. I pictured this fight in my brain so many times, and I just picture like Brandon trying to like capture everything for being the elite. Also, can we talk about how we got trolled by all the AW blocks this week? Sammy Guevara put on his title fight backstage, and like being the elite came out late, and we were all like, oh my god, is it going to be mentioned? Nobody mentions anything no. about it. So yeah, and that's what the job is of being the elite. It's supposed to be the backstage show, the show, but uh ironically enough, it was even too edgy for being the elite. I'm actually even more. I'm actually more curious about next week's. Are we going to have a being the elite? Uh, very interesting. That's something that will be reported on whether or not there is a being the elite, or whether or not it goes away, or whether or not it shows up on WWE's uh, YouTube channel. And that's a developing story. Uh, but uh, for those of you, and if you want to see Issa's reaction to the young bucks joining WWE potentially, where can we find you, Issa? 
NYC Demon Diva on YouTube. We're getting very close to 20,000 subscribers. I'm so excited. So thank you. I, there's a bunch of people in the chat here that go and watch my watch alone. So I appreciate it. I know Pro Wrestling Bits pops up in my chat yeah. once in a while too. So <laughs> Big fan of those reactions. It's fun to watch along while the matches are going on to see Issa's reaction. And then uh, follow me at This Is Nasty and Pro Wrestling Bits. We just passed WrestleNomics, ladies and gentlemen. So we're just exploding in uh, subscribers. Thank you to, seriously to everybody who has some shout out to WrestleNomics too, but uh, it's good to be coming up. And uh, we're just talking about all this craziness and it's a fun time in wrestling. I really hope this doesn't get away from the AEW, but it is definitely an entertaining thing to be talking about as more information comes out. Hopefully everybody stays safe as well as you guys, because uh, that is the end of this podcast. And we will be seeing you after Monday Night Raw this coming Monday. Good night, everybody. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.